Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture all while powering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. This week, we obviously have a huge, <laughs> big amount of news to talk about in the Maddie Healy Taylor Swift world. There have been a lot of updates since our last episode, which we had recorded on Wednesday when the first news of all of this dropped. So we are getting into a little recapping of what happened, Maddie at the Nashville show, the more recent updates we have from ET and photos leaking, and we're sharing like our personal opinions on the matter. And now that we've had time to sit with it, how we really feel about this relationship. Yeah, because for those of you who have been following along on our Instagram, Jenna and I have both been having meltdowns upon meltdowns about this whole situation. We've been reporting essentially live on all of this since it happened on our Instagram stories and on the grid and on TikTok. Like there's been so much going on and we had a bit of a rehash about all of the news that dropped as well as the most recent photos of maddie and taylor captured in new york city out and about which is wild because they also weren't paparazzi photos you know there's a lot going on there like some person just witnessed them existing in the wild and i can't deal with it (laughs) but of course this is named three songs so it wouldn't be an episode without some serious business as well because we've had some major landmark court situations going on in regards to like courts ruling in favor of women which is very exciting so we are going to be discussing the court's dealing with Marilyn Manson's defamation claims against Evan Rachel Wood and Tory Lanez trying to have a new trial about the Megan the Stallion shooting, as well as the jury finding Trump liable for battery and defamation in the E. Jean Carroll trial. So like a lot going on this week in news and pop culture. We're getting into all that today. And we do want to give a quick shout out to Shannon, who has joined our Patreon. If you guys didn't know, we opened up our Patreon to where you can pay anywhere from $1 to $10 a month to get all of our bonus content. And that includes a lot of back episodes of just bonus music meltdowns, the did you hears about some newsworthy things, and as well as access to our Discord server. All of that is over at patreon.com slash name three songs. Definitely check out Patreon if you want some bonus content from us. We do have so many fun back catalog episodes and lots of fangirl musings going on. And on the topic of fangirls, this week for me, all my brain that I've been thinking about is Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift. It's literally all my thoughts. Every single person who's texted me in the last 10 days, that's all I've been texted about. That's all I've been called about. That's all I've been chit-chatting about. But I know that Jenna has been going through it because TXT's world tour has finally hit america and let's just say that my text inbox has been (laughs) filled with the most sensual fan cams i've ever seen in my fucking life so jenna would you like to share with everybody what you've been going through this week in our fangirl moments of the week oh oh my god well txt has been doing their tour their the this series of tour it's the 
act sweet mirage tour um in asia they've been in korea japan and like southeast asia they're now in america officially so we've been getting lots of content and now that sarah is like mildly understanding k-pop i just send her everything <laughs> and the funniest thing honestly the funniest thing that like i also personally feel bad about as a fan is that they have this segment like it's like the second to last song where like they want fans to like sing along to this course and they literally like put the microphones out it's like now it's your turn but the lyrics are both in korean and english and like this went smoothly in korea obviously i think like maybe they did japan and it was like a little iffy and then like fans in singapore surprised them and like learned all of the lyrics and they were like genuinely surprised and saying like wow like on stage and all this stuff they get to america they get to america they're in charlotte it is crickets <laughs> it is crickets and then fans are just kind of like mumbling and then they're like feels like summer because that's like the only like english lyric and the guys in the band were just like cracking up and they went on like live stream and they were like joking about it and honestly like txt and their fandom they like clown each other a lot so it was kind of just like a wholesome like clowning each other moment but like also i just like genuinely feel bad that like american fans are like nope if it's not subtitles we can't function i just think it's funny because like korean and english are so dissimilar because like when you were telling me about this i was like oh yeah like i've like learned my favorite monoskin songs like but italian and english have like so many similar root words and stuff that like yeah. learning the words to a song that like i don't know the meaning to is so much simpler in italian than it ever would be in any asian language because like the root sounds and vowels and everything are so dissimilar yeah, it's a lot of, like, the phonetics, and they just have, like, combinations of, like, sounds together that we don't have in English, um, mm -hmm. and then, like, I'm trying my hardest to, like, learn these lyrics, so I don't, like, <laughs> I'm not a fool at this show, but, like, my brain is just, like, having a hard time, like, adapting to it, and I genuinely think it's because of, like, the phonetics are so different. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I think fans, I, I've seen fans online talking about this on TikTok and Twitter, and they're like, come on, everyone, like, learn the lyrics, like, do better, so we're trying. But you have been sending me all of these, like, incredibly sensual dance numbers uh, <laughs> that have short-wired my brain, and I don't even know these men. <laughs> First of all, okay, some of their newer dances are a little sensual, but also the fan cams are so funny because the edits are very sensual. Yeah, they, so like, do that's everything in, like, like slow brain. And like, I just like, it's so fun. Like these, the fan cam edits are honestly incredible. Like imagine if we had that for like One Direction and like McFly and stuff. It's just so funny because whenever I see these fan cam edits that you send to me of the dancing and like the way that they edit them, I'm like, this is just porn maybe. <laughs> Softcore. Like, I'm like, this is what the girlies want to see. Oh like, my god! I'm like, I'm unwell and I need to go into a walk-in freezer ASAP. <laughs> so, anyways, I am seeing TXT in like two weeks. Sugar has also been touring America lately, so there's been lots of content from him. But my other kind of funny random fangirl thing of the week is that charlie xcx has a private instagram account that she's been promoting so like we're basically at the end of her promotional cycles of everything for crash which like chef's kiss beautiful album a lot of people were big fans she played coachella literally the day after coachella 
she's like putting her normal account she just was like teasing it's called 360 brat and it's like a second instagram account it's locked and so everyone's like oh my god oh my god like new era like what's going on and like the picture's just like neon pink and she has like that square on her like regular insta and she hasn't like posted a lot on her regular insta and then she she'll just like open the account every so often for like 10 minutes to let people to let followers in and then she locks it again so i think i got in on the second round of when it was open because i had to put on notifications for her regular story so that i would see when she posted that it was open <laughs> so then i went and followed and i think like right now it's at thirty-six thousand followers it might be more she might have opened it again so on her private thing she like posted this really long like insta story and she was talking and basically saying like this is just like i want this to be just like a cute fun like private community for me and like the angels who get in and she's saying like there's a bit of trust here like I'm going to post like literally anything. Like I'm going to post secrets on here. And if you guys spill the secrets, then you don't get more secrets. But if you guys keep the trust and you keep it inner circle only, then I'm going to post more secrets. So the thing is like, you're not supposed to share it outside of like, you're not supposed to screenshot. You're not supposed to repost, whatever. She's like, if I see you doing that, like no more content for you. So like, I don't feel like I'm on like Charlie XCX, like fan stand Twitter or TikTok really. So I haven't seen if people are sharing anything about this, but she has dropped some gems lately that I'm just like ah chef's kiss like some photos of her and George there was one like and this is like I didn't say this you didn't hear it from me okay but there's one of like her and George at the Brit Awards and Harry's like in the background like walking by like to accept an award he's like not even looking at the camera and she's like what if we were a threpple <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, but to be fair, in that photo, there's also this random bald man to the left of Charlie that's more yeah. in focus than Harry Styles. And when I first saw this, I was like, should I know who that man is? And Jenna's <laughs> like, Sarah, Harry's behind them. And I was like, oh, whoops. And then she did like a Q&A today and she was like answering fan questions and stuff. So it's honestly, she's just like, I'm just having fun. I'm just like messing around. Like I like like the exclusivity of it, like etc. So I don't know. It's just like a cute little thing that she's doing for, for fans. I love that. I have had no fangirl moments this week because... Your brain, my, is my, <laughs> Your my, brain is rotting. My brain is rotting. My brain is rotting from Rathru Healy. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rat himself. Wait, what is their ship name? Taddy? <laughs> Mailer? Ew. Rattler? Uh. <laughs> it's been really traumatizing for me personally. But we're going to get, we'll get into this more later at the end of the episode for sure because we have some major updates but I will say, for those of you who did miss it, we did do an Instagram Live last Saturday as I oh, was yeah. getting ready for my sister's wedding <laughs> um, because we were having a meltdown, like a complete and total meltdown because it's just like too fucking much because Maddie did show up at the Nashville shows. Yep. I mean, honestly, I think it's been fun documenting our reactions every stage of the way of <laughs> as we get more news. And I think it's like we're doing a service to y'all like by doing this. I feel like we have we have a duty. Yeah, exactly. Um, so our initial reactions, last week's episode, literal same day, Wednesday news drops reactions. If you want to see our Instagram live, it's reactions from like Saturday morning of like Maddie had just appeared at Taylor's show in the crowd. And now we're giving our week later reactions actions yeah and updates but we will get to that because well actually i do have some real news that i did want to acknowledge also before we get into like the meat of the episode because i did find this really interesting so 
Elon Musk yesterday, so yesterday being Thursday the 11th, announced that there's going to be a new CEO of Twitter who is a woman. And this is very interesting because for those of you who might not be paying attention to like the business side of things in the world, there is a very common occurrence of companies who usually have male CEOs hiring a female CEO before the company goes up in flames. And this is a phenomenon called the glass cliff. I didn't know this was a whole thing. Yeah. So basically, like, according to the University of Exeter's, like, psychology department, this is a phenomenon where women are begin to be overrepresented in in leadership positions that are very risky and precarious. So it's kind of like how shit was hitting the fan with like the UK government. So then they put Theresa May in power. So that way they could blame Brexit on her instead of David Cameron, because she Mm. was the prime minister while Brexit was happening. So while what has happened, isn't the woman's fault. Everybody will remember that the woman was there during the downfall. And that's how they like set it up. So basically it's like men's way to make it seem like women are incapable of leading, but they did all the knocking down of the dominoes before it got to the last piece. And also it's like, from my perspective as a feminist, a woman is the only person capable of handling failure successfully. Mm. And so that's why these things maybe don't look as bad when they do fail because the women know what the fuck they're doing. That's just my personal opinion. But I do think it's very interesting and also a little bit sad because I do love Twitter. And if this actually goes forward, she's supposed to start in like the next six months. And she was like a head of uh, NBC. So she's like a very successful woman. But like if this happens... We might not have Twitter by this time next year. Or or she could, could turn it around. I mean, they're doing this because they're expecting Twitter to fail. So basically the two outcomes that I'm really seeing happening is either that the site just completely crashes and burns, it gets shut down forever, or they make it so fucked that like somebody will come and buy it for cheap. Hmm. And then we'll, we can see what can happen from there. So it is quite interesting. I just thought it was something to acknowledge and the phenomenon that I think you guys should be aware of because, again, we're going to see a lot of people coming soon to be like judging a woman for a fuck up that's not her fault. And so I think it's just interesting to like go into this new hire in the Twitter sphere aware because like if things start to go more wrong... It's because of the dominoes that Elon knocked down rather than I this mean, woman. I mean, do you know why? Because I, I haven't been following any of this that closely. Do you know why Twitter suddenly might tank? And is it all because of Elon Musk fucking it up? Or was it doomed before no. it was sold? So basically what was happening with Twitter before it was sold was just that Twitter wasn't making any money. Like it wasn't doing well monetarily. I'm sure that there's like some other intricacies that I'm not aware of. But it was a lot of just like they were having issues with ad revenue, all of this. Like there was nothing wrong with like the coding or the sourcing or keeping having people keep their jobs. But then Elon came in and kind of was just like, I'm going to reinstate racists and I'm going to reinstate all these accounts of people that we banned. And like, I'm going to take away blue check marks from people and I'm going to like fire everyone so elon came in and just completely rather than like stirring the pot he picked up the card stack and dropped it and was Mm. like 52 card pickup (laughs) 
<laughs> Ten second rule, the floor's lava. Yeah. It's like, who knows if I threw all the cards on the floor? Only me. Uh, so that's kind of like what happened. Like he just came and like fucked everything up, threw everything into a paper shredder and was like, put that back together in the right way in 10 minutes or else. And now it's broken and yeah and beyond repair basically so i just thought that that was interesting to acknowledge no i was fully unaware and i feel like it is interesting to keep that in mind going forward with that out of the way i think that getting into the meat of the episode is important now and the first big thing that we're going to talk about today is these landmark court cases in regards to like women coming out on top through the court process which we're not really used to seeing and this is a really big deal because two of these cases are defamation cases uh in regards to like the sexual abuse genre of court cases and the other case is the tory lanes and megan the stallion case which i just want to touch on very quickly because the other two i think have a lot more to do with each other and like conversation like bigger conversations we've had over time on the podcast but this Tory Lanez thing is a big deal because basically he motioned for a new trial like his lawyers went forward because in December as we talked about already on the podcast Tory Lanez was convicted of three felonies for shooting Megan the Stallion in the feet and wounding her and basically a Los Angeles judge on Tuesday so Superior Court Judge Hereford rejected the arguments from Tory Lanez's lawyers saying that evidence was wrongly admitted at the trial that judge had previously presided over, the one word that he was found guilty. And the judge said that the exclusion of the disputed evidence would not have made a difference in the trial. So Tory would have still came out as guilty. And so according to this AP News article by Andrew Dalton, Tory Lanez is now going to be sentenced for convictions of assault with a semi-automatic firearm having a loaded unregistered firearm in a vehicle and discharging a firearm with gross negligence. And he could get up to 22 years in prison and also faces deportation back to Canada. So this is a really big deal. And it's a really big win for Megan. Megan's not going to have to look in the face of her assaulter for like quite some time. I'm hoping that he gets the highest sentence possible because like, this is really fucked up. Yeah. And it's just a really exciting day for her because like we, as we've talked about in past episodes about Megan, like this has been really traumatizing for her because it's something that she's had to relive over and over again because the internet just refused to believe that this was factual. So this is just a really, really big deal. And I think the thing with this case and the others that we're going to talk about and the tie back to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case is that the backlash from the internet is severe and unending in that it doesn't end when the court case is done. Um, and it doesn't end as the court case is going on and it, it continues when you leave the courtroom, it's still going on. Yeah. So for victims, that's something that they have to continue to deal with beyond just the rulings. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think also a big part of this is like where the court cases are taking place because the Tory Lanez, Megan the Stallion one takes place in California. The, other case that it was a big deal this week was Marilyn Manson trying 
to file a defamation case against Evan Rachel Wood. And then there was the New York case of Trump and E. Jean Carroll. And so these states have like way better laws around like defamation and women's rights. Well, also for victims of sexual assault Yeah, but, in, yeah. in cases, in cases of sexual assault. And so, and like the statute of limitations and all those things are like very different and very specific to like every single state. And a big thing that we talked about in regards to the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case and something that I think we need to remember is that the case was allowed to be televised because the case took place in Virginia. A lot of reasons why they were allowed to even like try this case in the way that it was was because the Washington Post is based out of Virginia. And so at the end of the day, it's like literally your luck can change with a flip of a coin based off of where the situation occurs. Yeah. And I think that that's just so crazy because again, it's like America is supposed to be, is one country, but every state has its own laws and governs its own way and all those things. And so I just think that it's like, it can be insane in that regard where it's like, Oh, if you like went to Texas right now and somebody found out you had an abortion and didn't like it, like you could get tried for that. Whereas like in New York, if my neighbor found out I had an abortion, my neighbor couldn't do jack shit about it. And so I think it's just really interesting to also have that viewpoint in mind during these conversations about like, it's not so much luck as it is like, it's fucked how the government works that like these women feel lucky that these things happen to them in the states that they happen to them. Yeah. 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 I think that's very heavy to consider in all of this. So in getting into this case between Marilyn Manson and Evan Rachel Wood, we have an article in Jezebel by Audra Heinrich in on May 9th, which was also Tuesday. Um, All these court case rulings happened on Tuesday. I don't know what's going on with the stars. Maybe you do. <laughs> the Superior Court of California favored actress and activist Evan Rachel Wood in a ruling in an ongoing defamation case levied against her by her abuser and ex-partner Marilyn Manson, also known as Brian Warner. The court decision has effectively struck down 10 of Warner's objectifications to Wood's anti-SLAPP motion to dismiss his defamation case against her. Among them are his claims that she forged an FBI letter and recruited other women with the aid of a checklist and script to accuse him of sexual assault and abuse. California's anti-SLAPP statue functions as a safeguard for individuals exercising their First Amendment speech rights, notably domestic violence survivors who all too often become targets for defamation suits. So just to recap, Evan Rachel Wood came out with these allegations in 2022, along with her two-part HBO documentary called Phoenix Rising. Evan Rachel Wood was in a relationship with Marilyn Manson from 2007 and briefly engaged in 2010 before breaking up. So approximately three, four-ish years. We did also talk about this in our episode, Depp v. Heard, the cultural impact of celebrity abuse cases, which we talked about in July 2022. If you want to go back and hear more, revisit what happened with the Depp Heard case and kind of like us starting to unpack a little bit of this Evan Rachel Wood, Marilyn Manson case. But essentially, because she came out with these allegations saying that he had abused her during their relationship, he then sued Evan Rachel Wood for defamation. And this was like, 
literally on the heels of the Depp Heard case. And Marilyn Manson is known to be friends with Johnny Depp. So at the time, the feeling was like a lot of like, he's like, well, Johnny Depp took Amber Heard to court and humiliated her on the public stage. Maybe I can do the same and continue to abuse Evan Rachel Wood. So that's the context for this current ruling, except that in Marilyn Manson claiming that Evan Rachel Wood defamed him, the court was like, the 10 things that you have put as object objections, like none of them hold up. As we mentioned, one of them being that she forged an FBI letter and another one being that she recruited other women with the aid of checklist and script. And I did also see one of our favorite journalists, Kat Tenbarge, talking about this, like specifically about the checklist. And there was like a photo of the checklist that we had. And Kat was saying that Marilyn Manson's suit against a Evan Rachel Wood framed standard reporting practices as defamatory. The checklist she used to interview his ex-partners resembles the back end of an investigation. These claims were struck thanks to the First Amendment, and this suit is of particular interest to me as a journalist because it uses Wood's documentary Phoenix Rising as the basis of the complaint. The freedoms granted to us as we report on sexual violence allegations against powerful figures are in question. And so Kat was even saying, like, this use of the checklist, like, this is something that actual reporters use when investigating this type of thing, and so having this on on the stage like in a courtroom is very important to like how we function as like understanding and investigating sexual assault cases yeah and i feel like it's a big step forward in proving that like doing investigative work and like trying to get people to like talk about what they've been through is like there's nothing wrong with that and i feel like that's a really big deal we need to have some integrity yeah Everything can't just be hearsay on all sides. Yeah, because that's like a really big thing because I feel like so many times like people are like, oh, it's just a he said, she said, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when does it stop being evidence and start being a he said, she said? And I feel like this case and the fact that they were like, no, like we're not going to even take this to court. It goes to show that like interviewing people who have been through these things and like having them relive that like it's not a he said, she said situation because yeah. There is proof. And that's the whole thing. Like if you've seen the Phoenix Rising documentary, which is on HBO, I highly suggest watching it. Like it can be very triggering. I will say that. But like it's very well done. It's very informative. And these women have proof. Like there's imagery there, especially Evan Rachel Wood and Marilyn Manson's relationship was like so heavily documented, not just by her as an abuse survivor, but also just by the general public. So like there were there was footage of like the fact that he branded her and the fact that like in the music video, it was supposed to be simulated sex. And instead he fully like had sex with her in front of all these people on the set of this video shoot. And apparently, according to Evan Rachel Wood in this documentary, like they did not know that that was going to happen. And so she was just like taken advantage of in front of all of these people. And because he was her partner, she thought that it wasn't like didn't constitute as rape at the time. And there's so much proof that he did this to her and these other women. And so the fact that the court was like, yeah, literally everything you're saying that like is defamation or that she like did in illegal way is not illegal. Yeah, I feel like this isn't the last that we're going to hear about Marilyn Manson versus Evan Rachel Wood. Like, I feel like there's going to be 
more in some regard that comes out i feel like he's going to continue to fight this because he's a man who wants power yeah i mean like she said in the documentary that like she knows that he's trying to take her to court because he's trying to continue the abuse against her in any way he possibly can and i mean we touched on this also in our depp we heard episode that we did last year because we were saying that like johnny depp winning his defamation case and him being so close with Marilyn Manson, like was going to embolden Marilyn to try and do a defamation case against Evan Rachel Wood. But luckily uh, for Evan Rachel Wood, this happens in California rather than in Virginia. So like it's a state where there's less leniency and it's a lot harder to get a defamation case taken into the courts. And with that, we also have the case in New York in which a jury finds Trump liable for battery and defamation in the E. Jean Carroll trial. And we have some information brought to us by NPR, by Becky Sullivan, Andrea Bernstein, Ilya Meritz, Quill Lawrence, also on Tuesday of this week on May 9th. So they write that a federal jury has found former President Donald Trump liable for battery and defamation in the lawsuit brought by writer E. Jean Carroll, who says he raped her in a Manhattan department store in the mid-1990s. The nine jurors deliberated for barely three hours before reaching their unanimous conclusion did not find that Trump raped Carol, but they agreed that he sexually abused her and that he defamed her while he denied when he denied her story. In this, Carol was awarded $5 million in total damages. Carol says in a statement that today the world finally knows the truth. This victory is not just for me, but for every woman who has suffered because she was not believed. In an email to NPR, a lawyer representing Trump said the former president would appeal the decision. Of course, as we just mentioned, of course they're going to fight this. And... I think it is notable that this happened in the mid-1990s, at a time when Carol was at the peak of her career as a writer and advice columnist. So in 2019, she sued Trump for defamation over his denial of her claim. The lawsuit had been hung up in federal court over the question whether Trump could be sued for a statement he made while president. And then in 2022, she filed a second lawsuit adding in battery claim after the state of New York temporarily removed the statute of limitations for sexual assault survivors. I thought this was very interesting because I was like, if this happened mm-hmm. in the 1990s, like why would she be able to sue for this? Because usually the statute of limitations says it has to be within a certain time period. And somehow New York, I don't know why New York like have temporarily removed the statute of limitations. But I do also want to point out because we're talking about California versus Virginia and like these differences in the legal system. I do also want to point out that as a civil trial, the burden of proof for the battery claim was lower than in a criminal proceeding. Rather than be certain beyond a reasonable doubt, as criminal trials require, Carol only needed to prove her case by a preponderance of the evidence. In other words, the jurors only needed to believe Carol's version of events was more likely true than not. This is so much more lenient. This is so much more lenient than beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think that that's the big thing here also is it's like in regards to this kind of case where it's like it's whether or not he's liable for battery and defamation it's like there is no potential for him to go to jail over this it was just going to be like a personal victory for carol by being told that like yes he did defame you by saying that you were lying and also obviously like monetary gain in regards to this but i just think that that's it's it's a really big thing when a man we all know is bad has to legally be like yeah i fucking lied yeah like that's such a big deal yeah yeah 
I agree. And especially in cases of when we're talking about sexual assault, because they're so hard to prove by beyond a reasonable doubt is so hard to prove, especially in the courts when no one wants to believe women. And also the reason why E. Jean Carroll winning this is like Trump having to admit that he lied is because he called her a lot. Like he basically was like, no, you're making this up. This wasn't real. Whereas in comparison to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, Johnny Depp was suing her for defamation because she's, he was saying that her claims made him lose work. Whereas it was never like whether or not it was a lie was never up for debate. So like, I just don't want you guys like taking my words and being like, oh, if you like win a defamation case that proves that the other person was making shit up, that's not always the case. But because Donald Trump called E. Jean Carroll a liar, that's why this is like proof that she did not lie. Mm, Yeah, I think that is important. I feel like these cases, especially when it's defamation, is very confusing. It's very not easy for the average consumer to understand. And I think in part it's made that way on purpose but I do think it's significant that we're able to have a case like this I just feel like it's so often when we see cases of like sexual assault or sexual violence where it's like well why didn't you come forward why didn't you say anything and it's like because rarely any justice is ever served and this feels like one of those cases where justice was served for E. Jean Carroll yeah, exactly. I feel like it's a po- it's a positive step forward because like this proves that there is potential for other women to win their cases. This proves that there should be like a maybe a little bit less fear when it comes to coming forward about this stuff, especially now because so much has happened over the past like decade and like decades since the 90s and i feel like women are taught to be afraid to speak out and to seek help when like they've been taken advantage of because it always feels like we're going to lose so the fact that there have been these three big cases where women have come out on top i feel like this is giving a little bit of a like a shimmer of a light at the end of the tunnel of like potential for where things can move positively going forward. Knock on wood. Knock on, knock knocking on, wood. on all of the wood. Com- completely. But, um, you know. <laughs> it does feel like a bit of relief after a pretty vicious news cycle over the last couple of months of bad news all around. <laughs> so hopefully we can just uh, rejoice in this for like a hot second. I just feel like it was a really big deal to see like all of this basically happening on, on the, the same, same day. On the same day. Yeah. Like that was yeah. so... Such a big deal. Yeah, to like (laughs) sign on Twitter at the end of the day, Tuesday, and it just be like, women, come out on top. And I was like, fucking hell, what? (laughs) (laughs) And with that, (laughs) the moment we've all been waiting for. It's like, drum roll, please. (laughs) (laughs) We are getting into the Maddie Healy Taylor Swift of it all. Because there are so many updates. I'm like, where do we begin? (laughs) Okay, where I want to begin is... So for a tiny little recap is that the information that we had on Wednesday from both Demois and the UK Sun was that Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy were madly in love, that they're like deeply in a relationship and they have been. It was so unhinged. It was so ridiculous. And then on May 8th, Anthony Dominic for ET Online gets his own exclusive from a source saying that Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy like each other. And Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy liking each other from a source to ET Online 
feels so much more legitimate and yeah. believable <laughs> and plausible and less spiraling out of control again, yeah. like yeah. For, for like 72 hours than Taylor Swift <laughs> and Maddie Healy being madly in love and like so happy to have been reconnected. Oh my God. Because basically in this article, a source tells E.T., that Taylor and Maddie like each other. Taylor has a crush on Maddie and they're having a good time hanging out. Maddie also <laughs> thinks Taylor is awesome and incredibly talented too and that they dated briefly in the past. So for those of you who like have paid attention, like it's always been the buzz that like in 2013, 2012, Maddie and Taylor like hooked up like right when the 1975 was getting famous, which like feels right because as we know, Taylor Swift has a thing for like moppy brown haired bad boys, bad boys like that's completely feels right. But I just think that it's so funny because the source, because another source told E.T. that Taylor and Maddie have been hanging out recently because Jack Antonoff reconnected them, which obviously makes sense. I want to know when they inevitably break up, who's going to get Jack in the divorce. I hope it's Taylor because I'm sick of Jack Antonoff making everything he produces sound the fucking same. But that's another story for another Uh, time. I do just think it's funny. Like, uh, what if this was like Taylor's bestie? I just imagine I'm Taylor. If I'm Taylor and some somebody goes to et and be like taylor has a crush i'd be like you don't know shit don't talk about my crush you don't know my my crush (laughs) you don't know where i talk about my crush but but i do think that this is funny and i feel like i slightly mentioned this last week is that maddie has been breadcrumbing a connection to taylor swift since the beginning of like january and there's been so much stuff because like she came out of that london show and she sang some of the 1975 songs which like would have been the worst day of my life personally if taylor swift ruined my night (laughs) by the 1975 concert but that's my own problems and then in interviews he was talking about how they were supposed to have collab- that they collaborated or they were going to collaborate on midnights and it just didn't happen and there's been a lot of like fan speculation that the 1975 might feature on like a vault song for 1989 because their music vibes sound correct and all these things so there's been a lot of like speculating there's been a lot of like taylor's name appearing in the 1975 discourse which i think is really interesting because personally like the venn diagram of taylor swift and maddie healy like existences lives like is so small in my brain meanwhile to like other people the venn diagram is a circle and i think that's just really interesting because we've been having a lot of conversations with like major taylor swift fans about their feelings about this in the dms and like some people are being like yeah there's like a lot of parallels between song lyrics from like that time when maddie and taylor were like connected in the early 2010s and everything makes sense and then other people are talking about like their astrological charts and like how that's connect there's like so many layers to this and i'm exhausted before we get into the thick of it too much i do just want to point out that this article came out this like hey they like each other et article came out on monday may 8th so this was off the back of maddie appearing at taylor's shows on friday night and saturday night in nashville and so this was the whole thing with the uk sun article was like maddie's gonna appear at her nashville shows and confirm their love and this is why we were all losing our minds and so the 1970. Okay, if you guys were following us on the Instagram stories, you know that I was like literally losing my mind on May 5th. <laughs> I was like, I didn't go out that night, so I was just like sitting at home, and then like this, then I was like, oh shit, it's the Taylor show, and like all this stuff was happening, and I was just like, I did so much sleuthing, like I was doing some hardcore journalism, if I do say so myself, but 
because we we saw one photo of Maddie come out of night one of Nashville, and I was like, is this photo even real? Like, I just feel like we would have more than one photo if he was actually there. So in my brain, I was like, 1975 was in Manila the night before. I was like, can Maddie physically get from Manila to Nashville in time to even be at the show? I did all these time zone calculations. I looked up flights. I was like, how long does it take to fly? All this stuff. Because there's a 13 hour time difference. If Maddie left at like 6 a.m., he could indeed actually make it to Nashville on time for the show. So this is all like while the concert is happening. I was like posting all this stuff on our stories. Then after the concert, we get more video footage of Maddie at the show. And I'm like, okay, like this is real. Cause also I was like, what if this photo is fake? And then I'm like posting about, and I'm just like adding fuel to the fire, you know? Yeah. Confirmation, it was very real. Then people were like, no, Maddie's there because of Phoebe Bridgers. Like, what if he's dating Phoebe Bridgers? And I'm like, that's fine. That could be possible. But the allegations are that he's dating Taylor Swift. So until that's proven incorrect, I don't care about Phoebe Bridgers in this conversation. That happened then night two. He did perform with Phoebe on stage and he was like wearing his little skeleton costume. And there was like a really funny TikTok of like, she looks amazing and he's there. Yes. And it was so funny because he was like the, from the POV, like from the camera footage, he was just like kind of like hiding behind her. Yeah, it was so funny. But like Maddie was there. He was in the VIP set. He's like fucking shimmying to shake it off next to Gigi Hadid. Yeah. Like, Gigi Hadid and Maddie Healy don't exist in the same plane of the earth in my brain like it's this just, is just so honestly all of this is hilarious because of the fact that their circles overlapped in the year like 2013 i have talked extensively or at least i think i have on my tiktok about like those photos of like a nick grimshaw party nick grimshaw's djing taylor's there carly Kloss is there maddie healy's there ellie golding is there like the circles that had to align for all of that to happen and yeah. it feels like everything is coming back to this and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. And we just had a lunar eclipse in Scorpio, which is about death and rebirth. That's all I'm, I'm saying about that. I'm having a full, like, this is just a meltdown for me because, like, I understand, like, I, I think I said this in the last episode or one of the other ones following the Joe and Taylor breakup in that, like, Joe Alwyn is British famous. Like, he's not Hollywood famous. And Maddie Healy is, like music famous like yeah he's music famous like he's not a-list but he's not b-list either because he can go to any country in the world and be recognized and be treated like a famous man but not in the same way yeah by a niche group of people but like not in the same way as like jake gyllenhaal would be treated as a famous man in like any country that he goes to because also i feel like there's a difference between like the way really, really famous people are treated and famous people like Maddie Healy are treated. Because it's like, if I saw Matt Damon at a pub, I would not approach Matt Damon. If I saw Maddie Healy at a pub, I would approach Maddie Healy because I'm like, that's my stupid friend. Yes, exactly. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so I think it's really funny because Taylor Swift is never somebody's stupid friend. Like she's not like, you're not going to see Taylor Swift in the pub and be like, ah, yes. I can, appro- I can approach yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like, no. Like, that feels wrong. Like, it feels <laughs> illegal. Happening. That feels illegal. Whereas, like, approaching Maddie Healy has never once in my life and never will in my life feel yeah. illegal. No. Um, which I think 100%. is just really interesting. But there has been a lot of internet discourse. And as we all know from, like, the early days of this podcast, like, I have a very strong love-hate relationship with Maddie Healy. And I think so does Jenna. And I think most of us as listeners of this podcast and like 
feminists who love pop culture and music can feel similarly to this is that Maddie Healy is a very hard man to like, but also like when he's doing it right, he's doing it so fucking right. Yeah. And it's and so it's really difficult to draw the line in the sand when it comes to him because some of his fans do feel like this man can do no wrong hence the maddie healy god complex situation in regards to like they make excuses for absolutely everything that he does because they view him as like this extremely woke man even though on this tour that he just did he's like it's impossible for me to be as woke as y'all think i am like this is like a thing that he discussed on the tour which like i don't know if that's meta or makes him more woke or like what's going on there but it is something that he like has acknowledged which again like a man acknowledging his flaws like overwhelming i think and we've discussed this before but i think like as a man he's doing the best he can do like he's gonna fuck up and like sometimes he fucks up in ways that were like you didn't have to fuck like you knew better than to fuck up like that yeah um but i think that's what he means in regards to being woke is like at the end of the day he's still a white man like at the end of the day he still has stuff pre-programmed in his brain and it's kind of and like and i think also it's just like all human beings we're all on a journey like as white women we can always be better feminists also like we're not the know-it-all experts um and i think some i think what he means is that some fans hold him to such high regard and think that he can do no wrong in that way and like that in no way is us like apologizing for what maddie healy has done wrong like when maddie healy did that like really pseudo nazi salute that he did to like try and make some sort of point at a concert i made a tiktok about it as a jewish woman being like even if this isn't exactly a z kyle like it feels enough like one and in the context because i know the song that you're singing i know what you were like i know what maddie was trying to do and like i don't think that that's something that should just be written off and i'm still almost like three or four months later i'm still getting comments of people telling me that like i'm too online and i'm being ridiculous and like that's obviously not what he's doing or like it's called satire and it's like it's not called satire if somebody who has absolutely no affiliation to the 1975 sees it and is like oh this front man of this very famous band is like doing and not supporting nazis And people are still attacking me for it. But now I'm seeing Swifties in my comments being like, how could Taylor Swift align herself with a man who would do this? And I'm like, Taylor Swift is literally for multiple neo-Nazi groups viewing her as the ultimate Aryan woman to like look up to. And she's never once denounced herself from those groups. She's never once been like, I did not ask to be part of this narrative. And these are my personal frustrations with Taylor is like, Taylor only speaks out when it will help her and her career. And that's always my frustrations. Whereas my frustrations with Maddie is when Maddie fucks up, he doesn't acknowledge that he fucks up. Like maybe once every like 25 times he'll be like, yeah, I I goofed. But usually he does not. And that's like my frustration with him. But now we're seeing the situation where he's getting involved with like one of the most famous women in the world. And you see 50% of fans who are just like, Taylor can do no wrong if Taylor loves Maddie. I love Maddie. And then you see 50% of fans being like, Taylor is involved with this man who's been canceled so many times. He's so fucked up. He's like the worst man possible. He's such a bad guy. Like, how can Taylor be involved with an ex addict? Like they're saying all these things and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like be a little fucking nuanced about this and have some under, like have some understanding 
of like who Maddie is as a person. And like, if you're only seeing the bad things, okay, every single man that she's been with has probably done bad things because they're all white men. Like when have white men not fucked up? But also I just think that like the discourse of all these people being like, but he's an addict. It's like, I personally don't think that Taylor Swift has the emotional capabilities to be in a serious relationship with somebody who is an ex, who is a recovering addict. But that isn't me that, but that would never be me saying like, ew, don't date a recovering addict. Taylor, you're better than that. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't think she's like emotionally capable to deal with like what that entails. In the public, in the public eye. Like in the public eye. I think that like everything we're saying is our understanding of them from a parasocial relationship and from what they've chosen to show with us. So it's like she could very much be an extremely different person behind closed doors in an intimate relationship with someone. I still think behind closed doors, that girl is a Republican from Pennsylvania who pretended to have a Southern accent. But that's my personal opinion based off of like just the way that she's acted. Because again, my big thing about this and like why it feels so wild to me is like this is a girl who was so afraid of people canceling her completely and being like, I don't like you that like when there was bad press around her, she remained quiet and did not acknowledge anything that was happening in the 2016 election when like her voice as was proven in the 2020 election did a lot. And so up until that point, I was like, okay, Taylor Swift is existing since that point. I'm like, there's no way for her to regain my respect. Like not like she's after my respect, but I'm like, I'm just one person, but I just think that like somebody who's that afraid of being canceled, like seriously dating Maddie Healy feels suspect to me. Feels weird. Okay. Two things. Number one, we haven't even mentioned the fact that as of May 11th, there is photos of them out on a date in New York, holding hands, holding hands, holding hands. And so the context of this conversation is that, okay, this is actually kind of serious. Like at first we were just like, this is a joke. This is a joke. This is a joke. We don't believe this. This is a joke. And now we're like, okay, maybe this is actually real. That's one thing to consider. Number two is that I've been thinking a lot about the episode we did with Hannah Ewens about turning 30, about pop stars reclaiming their power when they're 30s, about the Saturn return that's involved with all of it. And the fact that Maddie and Taylor are like approximately the same age. They were born in the same year. They were both born in 1989. I just think that like based on that conversation, and I definitely recommend you guys go back and listen to it if you haven't. They're different people like at this point. They're different people than they were 10 years ago. And the fact that there was was clearly some kind of spark between them 10 years ago because we wouldn't have all these rumors and like photos of them in the same places and all this stuff and people like Maddie being constantly asked about Taylor, all this stuff. I think that they've both been through a series of several relationships, some of them more serious than others. I think that at this point when they're in their early thirties, they've learned some things about themselves. Taylor does have like a history of kind of like dating questionable men slash rebounding a la Tom Hiddleston and just like in general, Calvin Harris. And like, yeah, because people are saying like, oh, like Maddie's just a rebound, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, but I do think that there is a connection there and I do think that they've both matured significantly. And from what we've seen from both of them, at least from Maddie in the media recently, he's definitely matured a lot. Well, like, that's the thing is it's like them as two humans, like two people, I think it makes sense. I think that they, like you said, like it's been a decade since the original rumors of like them possibly hooking up or dating or whatever occurred. 
they've gone through a lot. They've changed a lot. Like Maddie's come out the other side of addiction. Like Taylor's becoming a little bit more outspoken in certain regards. Like they're finding their footing as like adults in their thirties. Like they're figuring their lives out. They have similar backgrounds of like music and like similar styles of fan bases. Like, I feel like there is a lot in common that they have as two humans, But when you think about how methodical Taylor is in every single thing that she does and how important her career is to her. And like I said, the reason why, like, I am so judgmental of Taylor of like her putting her career above being outspoken in regards to like political things or whatever is it's like I was explaining to my mom last night that like Harry Styles, who is like known to like not talk about anything, like not be super like only really be heard about from in interviews and stuff like every single concert that you go to he's raising money against gun violence that's like the big thing that he's trying to help do like he tried to quietly show up to black lives matter like he wasn't trying to make that a whole thing any images we saw of him were because fans saw him there like he is actively trying to do something because he cares meanwhile like anytime taylor swift is actively doing something it's to help herself like it's never in quote unquote like quietly to help other people like the Ticketmaster thing was because it was negatively affecting her like when she did that like one dollar lawsuit it's because somebody touched her it's and also the spotify taking her music off spotify yeah taking the music off spotify is because it affected her all of these things are because they're like affecting her personally and so she's not really taking a stance on anything to like help other people because once she's done the thing that's her movement we don't hear from her talking about that subject again and so I feel like that's always been my annoyance with her as like a public figure is that she tries to stay middle of the line and that's why and like obviously this discussion is not like about Sarah's annoyances with Taylor Swift like that's unhinged it's about the fact of like why I think as like a businesswoman first who like tends to view her whole entire public life as a business thing to me this is why i'm like this makes absolutely no sense because like yeah. maddie's just like doing shit for the plot constantly but also it's like maddie dated fka twigs for so long and we like barely saw them together taylor yeah. dated joe for six years and we barely saw them together and all she talked about was how she loved that their relationship was private and i feel like also like even when she dated calvin harris like we barely got any content of them together it's like any long-term relationship that taylor has ever been in we barely see them and so that's also why it's like this still feels fishy to me because she's going out in public places and like having this man be very publicly there at the start of a relationship when Taylor's only ever had men publicly be there in relationships when it's felt like there's been an agenda behind it. I do also feel like off the back of this relationship with Joe Alwyn, because there were, I guess like insider sources had said something along the lines of like, Joe has a problem with how, public of a persona as she is and like yeah just how famous she is and it's almost like maybe coming off of that like she feels like she needs someone who's going to be supportive of her career yeah in the fact of like maddie literally showing up for the nashville shows which like also like 
because if none of this was like real real like he wouldn't have had to do he wouldn't have had to like show face at nashville like that was obviously something that was like important to her yeah it's very confusing and complicated and like the like i said the reason why i have so many thoughts about it is because i think like as to humans they make sense but as to public figures they don't and so that's why and it's like Obviously, like, I clearly have my own, like, personal opinionated qualms with Taylor Swift, and I have my own personal opinionated qualms with Maddie Healy. And, like, this isn't even about the fact that, like, oh, I don't want her dating Maddie Healy because, like, I love Maddie Healy. Like, no, Maddie Healy can date whoever the fuck he wants. I don't care. I think it's just that, like, from a PR standpoint... It, I can't wrap my head around it when yeah. like Taylor uh, yeah. Swift, yeah. like I said, is one of the most desirable women in music, in pop culture. She could date any man she wanted to. Is like, this Taylor Swift letting down her hair era? Dating Maddie Healy feels so unhinged for like how specific she is about every <laughs> single thing she does. Like it just feels wild to me. It does feel wild in all regards. But like at the end of the day, it's like if they're happy, that's fine. But I just like feel like this is a PR nightmare. Only time will tell. I know. Only time will tell. I'm losing my mind. I am going to repeat what I said before, which is that I think this is the most riveting potential relationship of the millennia <laughs> of the decade. No, but liter- literally, because it's like... For music people, yeah. It, but it also feels very much like the boy from the wrong side of the tracks is dating Miss Goody yeah. Two-Shoes. Like, what is it going to mean? Blah, maybe blah, she's blah. fixing him maybe he's showing her how to let her hair down you know <laughs> i mean also i did see somebody say that like joe was such like a straight laced like posh british boy and maddie healy is obviously very much not that very much opposite. And, and also like after taylor swift was having all of her like meals with her friends in new york like ryan reynolds who like wrote about joe alwyn being great in his like time profile unfollowed joe alwyn on instagram and so i feel like also if maddie is like a rebound it's also maybe a revenge rebound Mm. because i feel like if you're gonna try and piss off your goody two-shoes ex-boyfriend who did something to hurt you dating maddie healy is the choice taylor swift definitely wields a large amount of power that i think we can only grasp at but i just remembered something from the 1975's like very long interview with zane lowe about this past album of maddie talking about how their band is very much rooted in country music and maybe they bonded (laughs) over that oh my god there's like there's so many things there's so many parallels and again why i think like as two humans this relationship makes sense but as like as somebody who's watched taylor swift as a businesswoman the choices she's made as like a public figure are always very methodical and they're always very thought out and like she only ever toes the line of controversy whereas maddie healy is not towing the line of controversy maddie healy is controversy is the line of controversy <laughs> yeah like maddie healy is controversy with a big red bow wrapped around it I think we would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this. We already know we've been talking to some of you guys on Instagram and on the DMs. And of course, our resident Swifties, we always want to hear from you on this. So come hit us up. I'm sure there will be much more to talk about as this continues to unfold. So much more to talk about. And so you can continue this conversation with us over on our social media. We are at Name3Songs on all platforms. 
I'm sure some of you'll probably have some personal beef with me after all the shit I've been saying about Taylor Swift. Or if you want to tell Jenna how much you love her, you can do that on our personals. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan. And Jenna only is- come at me with love. <laughs> if you have beef, don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenna's at Jenna underscore million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to the 1975. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namefreesongs.com. 